This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. Good morning. Good morning. Well, as some of you are aware, I lost my mom last summer. As is the case when most of us lose someone we love, we, uh, we tend to reflect on the memories we have of them, good and bad. So I've been thinking a lot about my mom over the last year. One of the things I remember about her is that depending on how she called my name, it would indicate what she needed or wanted or if she was angry at me. If she called me by my nickname, Angie, all is well. And she probably actually wanted something from me. Those who have kids kind of know this too. <laughs> However, if she called me by my first and middle name, in particularly in Spanish, Angela Maria, I was probably in trouble. So how we use words and intonations can say a lot about how important things are. On other occasions when she said to me, oye, escúchame, which is, hey, listen to me, that meant I better listen. Because what, what she was about to say was very important. In today's parable from Jesus, if you recall, he begins by using the word listen, exclamation point. And it ends with, May those who have ears listen. We could say that that comment was passive aggressive or snarky, but in reality, Jesus is saying that what he is about to tell us is very important, so listen. So it probably also makes sense for you to listen closely to the sermon as well. <laughs> So as a part of training to become a priest, uh, seminarians, and I believe this is in pretty much all the dioceses, are required to complete 400 clinical hours of pastoral education work. Um, what is that, you may ask yourself? Well, it's essentially working as a chaplain in a hospital or hospice. It traditionally happens between your first and second year of seminary. And, um, and it's intense. It's a pastoral care boot camp, so to speak, where we get to fine tune and find out what this pastoral sensibility uh, that we're supposed to develop is all about. Now, I chose Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami as a place where I would complete this. Jackson Memorial is a tough hospital. It is a teaching hospital. It is a trauma hospital. It is the community hospital. Every case that doesn't have money, anybody who's being marginalized, convicts, whatever, they're sent to this hospital. One of the key thing, uh, themes that came up in many of the roundtable discussions that take place with other chaplains and students is that theme of needing to be a good listener. For it is in listening and being present to them that we can truly help the folks in the hospital, in ministry, 
or at least be present to their fears and sorrows and their pain. In one of these small group discussions, the Jewish rabbi shared a story uh, to make a point about listening. And it, it goes a little bit like this. A tourist is on vacation in Jerusalem, and while visiting the famous Wall of Jerusalem, uh, he notices a rabbi approach the wall. And he sees this day in and day out over a course of a few days, but the rabbi faces the wall, and the rabbi begins to pray and pray and pray, and he stays all day, taking only a quick break to grab something to eat. And he does this for several days as the tourist continues to return. And um, he finally approaches the rabbi and asks him, what are you praying for all day? And the rabbi responds, I pray for a lot of things. I pray for world peace and for the hungry and for the poor and for all the nations of the world. And he goes on explaining in, in length about all the things he prays for. And then the tourist asks him, how does he feel when he prays? And the rabbi responds, well, to be quite honest, sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a wall. <laughs> yeah, granted, we, we all get a chuckle out of this one, but how true is it for many of us that when we pray, uh, we feel like we're praying in vain, unable to hear what God is saying to us in response. And I also recall during my chaplaincy at Jackson, a young girl in the Mental Health Institute uh, associated with Jackson Memorial Hospital, and she told me that when she prays, um, God never answers her. And I couldn't help but be so sad that she had lost hope. And so I asked you all, is God speaking to you? Is God speaking to us? I believe God does. We just have to have ears to listen. And so how do we develop those ears? The gospel reading appointed for today is one where we've all heard before, the famous parable of the sower. Um, and the passages that actually follow the parable that was read today go on to give uh, an explanation of the different folks uh, that, uh, that the different soils represent. Jesus makes it clear that the seeds sown are representative of the good news, the word, and that each meets one of four possible outcomes. Each seed, of course, is symbolic of a spiritual state that are common today as it was 2,000 years ago. Some people who hear, like that well-trodden path that we heard about, harden their hearts to the gospel, thus exposing its life and energy to hungry scavengers who are ready to use it up for their own purposes. Others utilize the word as a quick fix to their own psychological woes and see it as a lasting cure, latest lasting cure for their souls. Another group succumbs to what is similar to what I like to call the Joel Olstein version of the gospel, that prosperity gospel, allowing the pursuit of wealth and material goods to compromise the truth of what they hear, 
so that their own ends can be served. Nothing ruins the health of a garden more effectively than weeds. The same can be said of our own spiritual lives. And then there is that fourth group who has the hearts that have been prepared to receive the word and allow it to nourish every aspect of their lives and to bear fruit. My mom taught me a lot about gardening and anyone who lives in Texas and has battled our clay soil gets this as well. It's in the tilling, it's in the nurturing and the feeding of the soil, which in essence also equates to our spiritual lives. It's the foundation from which all good things grow. So just as the sower must cultivate the soil to help the seeds to grow, so must we cultivate our own spiritual lives in order to hear what God is saying to us. Now, I can't speak for all of you, but when I take a hard look and reflect on my own life, I can see how at different times of my life, whether I was nurturing my spiritual life or not, I could actually place myself in any one of these four groups of people that encounter the word. And I would venture to say if we all looked on our lives, we probably could see a similar pattern. So one of the first books that was handed to me when I was uh, attended seminary here in Austin was The Rule of St. Benedict. If we are to become good tillers of the soil, which is our spiritual lives, where do we begin? How do we prepare ourselves to hear God's word? And I think St. Benedict had it right. And I will try and sum up the book with five practices that we can all apply to our lives. Now, if you went to Mona's <laughs> presentation today, you would think we planned this all because she went over and she talked about this, but we didn't. So tell you, that's the spirit at work here. So that one of the first practices St. Benedict talks about is prayer. Instead of talking and talking to God, which is one way to do prayer, um, I will ask you all to perhaps listen for a change. It's no wonder that the rabbi in my story felt like he was always talking to a wall. Obviously he was, for he never just stopped to listen. St. Benedict actually calls this opening up the ear to your heart. Contemplative prayer is one of these types of prayer that can do this, and it has transformed my own prayer life and my relationship with God, allowing me to listen for the movement of the Spirit, allowing me to empty and to clear the clutter of the day, and to just clear the way for God's presence in my life and to see how God's working in that. Another important practice that's mentioned in the rule is that St. Benedict says we cultivate our spiritual life when we love others through service. Prayer and work is the Benedictine model. What better way then to show God's presence in this world than by working and ministering to those around us? to be God's hands and feet, ministering and serving those who need it so. And so I'm gonna make a really shameless plug here. <laughs> and that is that there is lots 
of ways to serve our community. And I think Kristen's going to say just a few of them during her announcements, um, how we can serve and be those hands and feet to the community. There are so many. So if you want to plug in, talk to me or Kristen. Number three. And this might be a hard one for some of us, is that self-reflection and to practice awareness of ourselves and those around us. We need to be attuned to the needs of others. Feeding and caring for those around us is one way, but it also begins by just noticing the people around you. Perhaps it's the people in this faith community. Perhaps it's your own family at home. Maybe it's the people in the city, in the nation, or even in the broader world. Four, this is critical to any spiritual life, and that's the importance of community. This church, St. David's, is our community. Jesus' community was a handful of disciples. And quite honestly, they weren't always that capable, based on some of the stories we hear, but yet Jesus, with this small group of imperfect individuals, was able to change the world in a radical way. We need each other. We need this congregation of men, of women, of, yes, even our children. Those who know us best, who join us in both our joys and our sorrows, and who will hold us accountable in all things. And finally, the fifth element that I think is essential for a healthy spiritual life is to be active, to include exercise in our daily life in whatever shape that's important to you. It stands to reason that if we're called to care for and to respect all of God's creation, then the responsible place is to start with our own flesh and blood. I believe that if we expect prayer to enliven our bodies, to nourish us, then it's only fair to ask that we exercise as a spiritual discipline to enliven that prayer. And so I believe God is planting seeds, just like he planted seeds 2,000 years ago. He continues to do that. God continues to speak to us, but are we prepared to listen? Well, thankfully, I believe some of those seeds are falling on good soil. It's also our good fortune that the, the same sower, our God, our Lord, has also provided the nourishment that will help these seeds to grow. But the work doesn't stop with our creator, for what is cast must ultimately find good earth to grow in. And as any good gardener knows, Seeds can only grow when there's a commitment that's been made to listening, to observing, to laboring, to tilling, to weeding, and weeding, and weeding. <laughs> it will take big efforts on all of our parts, but in short, seeds can bear abundant fruit only when a commitment has been made to prepare a proper place. And so I invite you all to prepare a proper place. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.